This afternoon, we're all doubly privileged to have Pastor Nathan Lee, who I'm sure you're all familiar with. And he comes to us this afternoon to deliver God's message. Will you please welcome Pastor Nathan Lee? Thank you. I did turn... Oh, it, it is on. Good. Thank you. I'm just a little bit surprised that uh, my good brother Jim is here. And... Uh, no, I am, because um, they're over here for family, which is very important. And folks, let's, uh, I don't want to put a damper, but I do want to let you know that you need to keep our brother in prayer because his dad, his cancer has spread. And so uh, it's not a good prognosis, but it's just wonderful that he's been able to get back here and uh, be able to meet with his uh, family. Can I cut all the reverb off? Because that affects me as a speaker. Yeah, I don't, reverb makes me sound like I'm God and I don't like that, so. <laughs> That's what they always used to do in Star Trek, you know. When it was somebody deity, they spoke with a reverb, okay. Anyway, um, my wife's not here, I'm sad to say. Uh, she's with me, but what happened is my son is the coach of the wrestling team. And he got pulled into it. He had to leave the house at 3.30 this morning to take his team to the wrestling tournament and his wife, who's a nurse, also pulled work, okay? There was, the schedule just fell that way. So they're going like, oh, should we get a babysitter? We don't really have one right now. And I said, no, your grandmother would love to play grandmother, you know? So uh, Dee's, Dee's gonna see you because we'll be here January 4th. So she'll be here with me then. But uh, we talked about it and I said, well, this is going to be their Christmas party. It's not that important that they have to see us because they seeing each other, which is the most important thing. But um, I just want you to know that, that we prayed about it and just thought, well, right now uh, we can help our kids and she can get a little bit of grandma time because uh, we just don't get to see our children and grandchildren that much living in the Philippines. So I want to talk to you. Uh, this actually is an eight-part series. So we'll get done sometime around 2 a.m. No, no. I, I developed this a long time ago, but I was praying about what I would bring today, and it's, it's partly because of some of the talk I've heard going on. Um, when we think of Christmas, I'm sad to say, too many times what we do think of is cost. Uh, and, and that can be a good thing, but I think it can be a bad thing also. And in fact, some people I've talked to this year, instead of saying uh, Merry Christmas, they should say Mahal Christmas, because that's, you know, there's, wow, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, you talk to them and they, well, my child, what does your child want? It doesn't matter what it is, it's under the list of expensive. And uh, I know the feeling, I know the trouble that we all go through when we're praying and hoping that we can get the, those that we love some special little gifts. But if we focus too much on that, that's when I get a little worried that we're losing the whole point of what this season is about. And um, by the way, just in case anybody here, I've been posting devotionals about Christmas. I stopped for two last ones because I'm talking about the typhoon. But there were some really upset people posting back about how deluded we are to believe that Jesus Christ was born uh, on December 25th. And, well, but the, the, one of the guys that was the roughest, it was really interesting because he said Jesus was not born in Jerusalem on the 25th. And I'm going, that's right, he wasn't. It was Bethlehem. And, um, and he obviously doesn't know the climate because if you look at the climate, it, 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 is, it isn't uh, five feet of snow in that part of the world during December. But again, fortunately, there were other people that were commenting with him. And I wrote him back and said, you know, it's not really the 25th that's the issue. I don't really care what day it is. It's just that the world chose that day. And so it's not a matter of that we're believing it's gotta be December 25th. What it is is there's a time that we take to honor the birth of Jesus Christ. Now. I want you to think with me for a second. I want you to just imagine the darkness before creation. And I remember when I was young, I thought 
I, you know, I wasn't born in a, brought up in a Christian family. So I envisioned God floating around the universe, creating things. And then once I became a believer and started studying my Bible, I realized, no, Nathan, he was outside the universe. Why? Because he made the universe. So where's that? Well, I don't know. Okay. But I want you just to start to imagine as he just spoke and he just flicked his fingers and the stars were set up. And then he picked one particular place, a little planet, and he started creating there. And if you've read Genesis, you, you can imagine what it must have been like to see these things being brought forth by an incredible, an incredible God. Now, again, let me, let me challenge you on this. I was uh, once, uh, believe it or not, I was once a Boy Scout and uh, we were at a camp and the guy that was leading the camp asked us to pretend that we were God and create the earth. And so there were like 15 of us boys, you know, he gave us pencils and paper and we're drawing and he walks by several, and I don't know why I always get to be the lucky one, but when he got to me, he reached in, and he grabbed the paper, and he ripped it up in front of me, and he threw it right in the fire. We had a little campfire. And he goes, Nathan, I told you to create the earth. I go, that's what I was doing. He says, no, 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 you're just copying what God's already done. Now, I was only 12, but it started to dawn on me. You know, I drew a tree. Why? Because God had already made a tree. See, everything that I could possibly put down on paper would be something that I've already got a reference from by the Creator. But He had no reference. He made all this stuff out of scratch. This is all from the mind of God. Isn't that amazing? That's how big He is. And so here He is putting together the earth and of course he creates one very very special being human two sexes male and female but it's it's not like the other animals it's not just a extra animal it's a very very special being because this being is created in the image of the Creator. Now, theologically, I still can't unwrap all that. I don't know exactly what that means. I, I understand that my soul is eternal, God is eternal, but God is eternity. He had no beginning, but I did, but now I've got no end because He breathed His Spirit into that clay that He molded. And there's other things that I know about myself that reflect what I think may mean some of the image of God. But then I want you to think about what it must have been like. And again, <clears throat> this is not from the scripture. We don't have the uh, recording of what took place. But I've often wondered if at some point Gabriel came to the Lord crying and just to vision God as he talked to him. Because see, God's omniscient. There are no surprises with our God. Angels are not. So maybe Gabriel didn't understand what was happening. But I could imagine God calming Gabriel down, saying, yes, 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 I know. I know they fell. I know they disobeyed. No, 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 they have to leave the garden. Now, see, some of you, I guarantee you this, you're going to fill in your mind. They have to leave the garden because God's mad at them. He's ticked and he's throwing them out of the garden. That's not what the scripture teaches. The first thought God had after man was exposed as being a disobedient sinner was he spoke, again, we're talking God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, something that we all cannot get our hands around because it's, from an infinite mind. But he spoke and he says, man's become like us, which by the way was not bad because we were gonna become like God either way. If Adam and Eve had not taken of the tree, they would have experienced good and they would know the difference between good and evil by experiencing good. But instead they did it the wrong way. 
But he said, yes, they become like us. But now, if they reach out their hand and eat from the tree of life, I don't understand what that is. I just know what the Bible described it as. He said, they will live forever. Well, Nate, what's wrong with that? Well, here's the problem. If they live forever now, because they have fallen into sin, they are separated from God because of sin, they will forever be separated from God, just like the demons are. Demons are not redeemable. The angelic realm that fell, fell for good, and they're forever separated. So what God did in that garden was mercy and grace. They've got to get out. Why? Because if they go out and their body dies, my plan for redemption will work. So think with me. Thousands of years later, can you imagine? God called Gabriel. He says, Gabriel, it's time. What? It's time. Remember that promise I made in the garden to Eve? Yes, it's time. And God dispatched the angel Gabriel to go give the news, which we're going to read in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to go back to the title, and I want you to think with me about cost. Because as I share with you today <clears throat> from this, the scriptures, we're going to be looking at what Christmas cost God the Father. I want us to look at it and evaluate it very carefully. It's, gonna, it's very simple, but I want us to think it through. But before I do that, I want to first touch your conscience and your heart to just do a quick check on how much of this season right now are you being affected by the other kind of cost, the money, the fact that maybe you can't get exactly what you want to get for someone. Hopefully that's the drive, not I'm not going to get what I want, but more of I would really love to buy my wife, my husband, my children this, but I, I can't, and, and it's affecting your season. Part of the problem that I think <clears throat> comes is we don't correctly discern and take the time to put the thought of what money is in the proper perspective. I want to just make a quick point. And then we're going to pray and look at that scripture. In 1923, a group of the world's most successful financiers met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Now notice what it says. These tycoons together controlled more wealth than there was in the United States Treasury. That's pretty rich. Okay? And of course, there were lots of stories about them. Who were they? Well, there was Charles Schwab. There's Arthur Gooden, Richard Whitney, Albert Fall, Jess, Jesse Livermore, Leon Frazier, and Ivar Kruger. Okay? I'm giving you time just to read what they did. These were very successful men, very rich men. They're the kind of people that sometimes when we don't have our priorities straight on money, we actually think that losing money will cost us joy in life. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to do that for you. Money never brings joy. It brings comfort. And I like comfort too. I would much rather, I would much rather ride in a nice BMW than one of those little, have you seen those little ones now? They'll fit one person, you know? I keep waiting for the guy's feet to drop out of the bottom and run along the ground, you know? Yeah. I'd much rather be in a nice BMW. Yes. That's comfort. But comfort is not contentment in life. Look what happened to these guys 27 years later. This is what the record is. Charles Schwab lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life. He died penniless. Author died abroad, completely broke. Richard was released some time ago from Sing Sing, which was a prison. He went to prison. Albert was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. 
Jesse Livermore committed suicide. Leon Frazier committed suicide. Kruger committed suicide. I just want to challenge you before we move back into this. As you think about what Christmas is going to cost you this year, make sure you've got it in the proper perspective. Because even if you had all the money that these men did, it doesn't really bring what the world thinks it brings. And all we got to do, folks, is look at the many miserable and unhappy and even suicidal millionaires there are <clears throat> in the world. So as you think about the cost of Christmas this year for you, I want us to back back into this and say, okay, that very first Christmas, what did it cost the Father? Let's pick up our story. Let's remember one thing we can learn from the list of men right up there. They learned how to make money, but they never once learned how to really live with it. Okay? So when we start thinking cost, let's deal with the temporal as temporal, and let's move to a bigger issue. Okay? What did the first Christmas cost the creator of all the universe? And how should we think about that? We'll start with the announcement. Let's commit the time to the author. Father, thank you for your word. Just ask that you'll bless us right now as we consider this very familiar story. But take a little bit more of a microscopic look at it today to think about what it cost you, how it impacted the universe. Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you'll find fertile soil in our heart for the word to be planted in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. For God so loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Now, I was working on this series in 1990. So that's how old this is. Some of you weren't even born yet. And I had looked at the cost to Joseph and Mary. I looked at the cost to various people. Okay, that's why it was an eight-part message. I looked at even Herod and the shepherds. When I got to this one, though, it was interesting. It was the day that my family and I went out to pick up a Christmas tree. We used to always drive out to a Christmas tree farm and cut down our own tree. And we got the car back, the tree's on top of the roof. Chris and Priscilla asked mom and dad, can we play across the street? And we had a house on this side of the street, nice little street called Maiden Lane, not a major highway. And that side was just uh, a bunch of apartments where a lot of young kids played, and that's why my kids wanted to go there. And they did. But Zachariah was only two and a half to three years old. So he couldn't go out there and play unless mom or I were with him. So we had him tucked in the house, 
and we take the tree off. Chris and Seller are playing, and we're trying to push this tree through the door, and I didn't see it, neither did my wife, but Zachariah scooted underneath the bottom of the tree as we brought it in, and he went to go run to play with his brother and sister. And I remember as we brought the tree into the living room, the screeching of the car that I heard. He's, I mean, just, and I turn around outside like this, and it's like an Oldsmobile 98. It's a bear of a car. And the woman that's driving it is about a thousand years old, okay? I mean, she's really old. I mean, I just, I mean, I, this is God stopped this because my son's head was this far from her bumper. Her car, her car had skidded this direction. That's how she was not flying that fast, but she slammed on the brakes so hard, the car slid and stopped. And there was, and of course, Dee Dee just flipped. I mean, she screamed the top of her lungs, ran out, grabbed up Zachariah. I run up to the woman and I look in her friend and they're both pale white and I'm going, I, I am so sorry. She goes, oh, it's, if I had hit that little boy, I would have, you know, and she, we got everything settled down. You know, uh, Dee and I didn't blame each other because we weren't looking for that. We were trying to figure out how to get out. We figured that out. We just started thanking Jesus that our baby had been spared because he should have died. The car would have hit him. It's a big car. And I finished helping get the tree up. My house at that time was right next to the church. So I walked over to my office to continue prepping these messages. And... um, because I worked ahead, so it wasn't like Christmas was right down the road. This was like four months away. Um, um, no, no, I'm sorry. It's for the next year. Yeah, I was working on this series for the next year. And uh, I got back to the office, and uh, I, got, I, I started working on this one. And I thought, would I be willing to sacrifice my son for anybody at the church I'm pastoring. I mean, some of the men that I pastored in that church were very close to me. You know, I loved them. And I just started thinking about this again. And would I be willing to sacrifice? Because for me, it was so real right at that moment that my son could have died and I, there wasn't anything I could have done about it. Would I voluntarily been willing for someone that I liked, even loved, would I be willing? Now, the reason we're talking about this this morning or this afternoon is because usually we talk about the cost of the sacrifice of Christ only at Easter. And I don't want to do that. I want to talk about it today. So that when you on Wednesday and Thursday enjoy Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, that you'll keep in front of you, whether you have all the presents you wanted to get for people or not, no matter what the cost has been monetarily, that you will keep before you what a personal God who personally created everything and personally still involves himself in procreation. I've knit you in your womb. It's not all biologics that he set up. He's involved in it too. That that person was willing to step up and offer the cost of what it would take to allow anyone in this room and me You all have no idea how much sin I get into. I don't know anybody that has more sin in their life than I do because I know mine more than anybody. And yet he was willing to do this so I would not have to spend eternity separated from him. See, this verse we think about at Easter, and it's good but I just want to talk about it before we move on. Therefore, when he comes into the world, that's Christmas, 
he says, sacrifice and offering thou hast not desired, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the roll of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now again, I can't break down the separation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three and there's one. There's three and there's one. And I don't get it. I understand that the Father serves positionally, not essence-wise. God the Father's God. God the Son's God. God the Holy Spirit's God. But positionally, the Son lowered himself, according to Philippians 2. And positionally, the Holy Spirit lowered himself even further, where he is submitted to the Father and the Son. So whatever goes on, all three persons of the Godhead are involved. It's not just one, it's not, oh, well, Jesus paid the sacrifice. No, Jesus wasn't the only one that paid the sacrifice. God paid the sacrifice. And God the Father, and again, we're not, I'm not talking about uh, gender here. You know that God also has those mothering, nurturing instincts. Just that the way he talks about us. How even Jesus talked about taking uh, people like chicks, like a mother hen wants to gather the chicks. So there's all that that, that we uh, experience, folks. When you hold your baby or you hold your grandchild and you feel all that, that love and the, the adoration and the joy, God has all that. And he loved his son. God the Father loved his son deeply. I want to show you three points. That's all. God paid the cost for his enemies. See, that's, that's why that question was really hounding me in my office. Because I didn't have anybody in my church that I felt was my enemy. There were those that I liked more than others. I tried to love all equally, but there were those that I liked better than some. But I thought, could you, if you knew that they were going to have to suffer and die and, 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 and spend eternity separated, would you be willing to take Zachariah back out on that street and let him die for them? But see, our God didn't even do that. He didn't pay the price for people that love him and seek him. Notice what this says. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. What's ungodly mean? Ungodly means they're not friends of God. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. See, good point. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. There's been records of that. Men giving themselves in sacrifice to their uh, brethren in arms. That's happened, but it's rare. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, we didn't clean up our act. We didn't start acting righteous. We didn't start being good. We're still living in sin and struggling with sin. And we're not seeking God on our own. There's that nugget that he put in there of the, re the reality of him. And that's what drives us. But a lot of people pour a lot of water on that little ember and burn it out real quick. Just boom, it's gone. But even for them, God did not hesitate to let Christ die for us. Notice what else it says. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Do you get that? Listen to this again. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled. Well, hold it. Does that mean everybody's going to heaven? No. But everybody's sin was paid for. Correct. You mean even people that refuse? People who say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there's a God. 
Jesus paid for his sin also. For God so loved what? The world of believers? Is that what it said? No, it says the world. Did you know that John wanted to make sure people understood that so clearly that in his letters, in 1 John, one of his first letters, uh, after the, you know, he's the gospel and revelation, but he's got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. In, in 1st John, he says that Jesus Christ was the payment, was the propitiation, was the sacrifice needed, not just for our sins only, our, he's writing to the church, but for the sins of the whole world. I firmly believe, and I want you to know this, I firmly believe that people do not go into eternity separated from God because of all their sins. Because I think they've been paid for. I think they go for one sin, the sin of unbelief. It's just sitting there waiting for them. It's, it's like, has anybody here ever found a Christmas present about a year later? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you have kids, usually you don't. But the, the older adults might remember now. Yeah, it's, it's just sitting there. It's wrapped and it's waiting. I'm not talking about people who make mistakes and just say, I'm sorry. Let, let's remember the first two examples that we have. Weren't they great? Who did Adam blame first? He blamed God. The woman you gave me. Oh, it's God's fault. And he was a serpent. Now, again, let's remember, these two were not brainiacs. They were hiding in the bushes from God. I mean, isn't that great? Shh, maybe he won't see us, you know. You know, I mean, it's God, okay? He could, he could make the bush, I see you. He could make the bush talk to you, you know. I mean, this is God we're talking about, folks, okay? Now, again, let me back up, because this is what I'm learning. There are a lot of people that go to church that spell God lowercase g-o-d and that's the problem this is capital g capital o capital d and we just can't get there you know oh well if you wanted to reach a dog you'd become a dog yeah you know how much closer to a dog i am than god is to me See, sometimes we lower God that way. Did you know, here's what's interesting. Whatever we're sharing with people, and it's a, it's a good example. If you wanted to reach a horse, you'd become a horse, right? Okay, I understand. But I'm a sinner talking to a sinner. Did you know when it compares us to God in the Bible, it's with inanimate objects, not living? It's, you're a pot. You're a piece of clay. Why? Because G-O-D. I mean, we're talking God. These two were no worse or better than you and I. They were our exact representatives. I would have done exactly what Adam did. I know that. Why? Because God knows. He's God. And so when I think about what God did... He paid the cost for his enemies. These were not people that loved him and wanted to worship him. These are people that wanted to do their own thing. I'm one of those people. Secondly, he paid it with no help from us. I mean, this is what churchianity and all the cults do. They got to get a little bit of work in there. I mean, come on, you got to work a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, if you pray to trust in Christ and say, oh, I want to be born again and all the terms that are out there, but then, then you got to be faithful at church and you better, you better tithe. You better tithe, man. Okay? Because that's, that's the cement that guarantees, you know, and then, and then if you really, you know, if you really want to know that as you're dying, you're going to heaven, you've got to go into full-time ministry. Yeah. 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 Because I've got to do something to earn this. Now, again, long story short, but let's be real clear, clear here, okay? Mess it up. Okay, can you say that? Mess it up. Okay. 
God gave us the garden. And what did we do? Yeah. He gave us the law. And what did we do? Yeah. We turned it in 10 steps to heaven. The law was never going to be 10 steps to heaven. The law was supposed to have you look at it and go, I can never live like that. Exactly. That's why you need grace. Okay, let's skip over the cross. God gave us the church. What have we done? Yeah, we're fighting. No, you got to baptize. No, you got to baptize. No, you baptize this way. You know, we're fighting and splitting and right. I mean, sometimes there's churches in the street. Sometimes I think their sign ought to read, "Don't go down there. Come to us." I mean, <laughs> now here's something you might not know. There's going to be a kingdom. It's called the millennial kingdom. Sinners go into the millennial kingdom. People that live through the tribulation that know Christ but are still in their sinful bodies, they're going to go into the kingdom. Those of us that have already gone ahead, we're going to be there, but we're sinless now. We're in a, what is called a glorified state. But these people, according to the book of Revelation, go in and repopulate the kingdom. Now, this kingdom is ruled by Jesus Christ himself. There are no plea bargains. There's, there is absolute righteous justice. And after being there for, a, in fact, you know, your life gets extended. It says if you die at 99, you're cursed because you die as a child. So these people, they're going to have lots of babies. And all these babies are born with the sin nature. And in Revelation chapter 20, when the, when the Satan is released from the pit one last time, he goes out to the earth and it says the number that follow him after being after being ruled by Jesus Christ for a thousand years, the number that choose Satan is the sand at the seashore. So even when God gives us a perfect kingdom, right? That's what we've been saying. You know, if we just had a good government, if everybody just had five meals a day, if everybody just da, 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 then we'd do good, okay? Guess what? You got the lion laying down with the lamb. There's no more war. Everybody's supposed to be able to get along. You live long lives. And what do we do? We still mess it up. So see, when it came to the cost of salvation, what? No. No humans allowed. What? No, you don't get to do anything. This is all mine. That's what God said. It's all mine. I'm not going to let you help pay. Why? Because everything you get your fingers in, you mess up. And the plan of salvation is not going to be messed with. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to execute it. I'm going to pay it in full. And then when I'm done, listen, when I'm done, all I'm going to do is say, do you want it? And guess what you can do? No, 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 you can't say, yeah, but add church attendance. No. You can't add anything to it. You can't take any way, anything away from it. What? All you can do is either accept it or reject it. Now, folks, I listen to these pointy-head theologians, and I love pointy-head theologians. I wish I had a little hair on my pointy head. I don't know how it all works, because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly. What I do know is this. God could have all the robots he'd want, just with a creative word. When it came to human beings, he decided, I am going to make a creature that will love me by choice. By choice. <laughs> and that's where we're at. And I don't, I don't understand all the other little intricacies that we can debate theologically, but I do know one thing. God could have as many lovers and robots that he wants. Boom. Make them worship all the time. He was the one that decided, I'm going to let this creature decide for themselves. And if you don't believe that, then you ignore a vast majority of scriptures. How many times? I just want you to come, but you will not. Oh, I will not because you won't let me. Where does it say that? It doesn't. He's left it to us. And, and the John the Baptist is there, the rare in, uh, exception where God said, I'm going to fill this kid in the womb because he's going to be my prophet. But everyone else like me, 
is born in sin, separated from God, with a seed of faith in my heart that says there is someone out there. And as the gospel light comes to me and is presented, I have the responsibility, what am I going to do with what I'm being told? For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He paid it for his enemies. He paid it with no help from us. And lastly, he paid it himself. He didn't hire someone to do it. He didn't create a special human being, super Jesus. No. No, he didn't. Folks, again, I can't figure this out, but you got to get this straight. God entered Mary's womb and incarnated. I don't understand it. But again, see, I don't have a big problem with that because it's capital G, capital O, capital D. And if I can explain all this to you, you guys need to start worshiping me. Because he's the only one who can understand himself. It's God. I remember when I was working in Wahoo Prison one time. This very, very early in my salvation. I spent two years working in a Wahoo Prison. I could go in and out, by the way. I didn't have to stay there. So, <laughs> yeah, just in case. I know some of you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, this guy came to me and he says, you know, Nate, I've been thinking about this salvation thing you've been telling me about. I said, okay, what, what do you think? He says, well, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal like you guys make it sound as far as sacrifice. I said, okay, why? He says, well, if you were to take me and tell me that you're going to torture me to death and I have to be in the grave for three days and then when I come back to life, I get to be the king of the universe. That's not a bad deal. And I said, you're absolutely right. That's a great deal. And if God made me that deal, I'd do it. Okay? But what if he said this? I'm going to take you, and I'm going to torture you to death, and you're going to be in the grave for three days, and when you come back to life, you're still going to be Nathan Lee, who's going to go bald and gain weight and struggle with sin. No, that's not the deal I want. See, in other words, and when I tried to help him understand, look, if you offer the king of the universe all this suffering and then say, but when you're done, you get to be king of the universe, his response is, but I am king of the universe. I mean, I, I'm not getting anything that I didn't have before except one thing. Because God does not a man that he should lie. He will not lie. The soul that sins must die. It must be separated. So God couldn't go, oh, you know, I, I regret this, Adam and Eve. You guys, it's okay. Come on in. He doesn't. No, sin must be paid for. Okay? There's only one person that could pay for it to offer redemption. That's me. I can't get some prophet to do it. They're all, they're sinners. I can't get an angel to do it. Angels are not in the redemption business. It must be a flesh, human, blood, sacrifice. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? You want to talk about a Christmas, folks? You want to talk about a Christmas? See, I want to look at the downside for a second here, but then I want to go all the way back over to the upside. The downside is it costs the Father everything. Okay? He spared no expense. The only one that could step up and pay the price. And I don't even think we know how bad that was yet. Do you understand that? I think when we get to eternity, we're really going to understand what exactly did Jesus Christ go through. Folks, one of my favorite books that I read had a, a little article, and I loved it, about the crucifixion of Christ. In one section, he, he asked the question, why did the, the day go dark 
at the time that Jesus Christ screamed, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me? Why, why did the earth get blackened? It wasn't a rainstorm, okay? It wasn't a three-hour eclipse. God just cut the lights off. And he said, why? Well, we don't know, but he gave one answer possible. He said, I believe that when God started to pour his wrath on Jesus Christ, that if any man had been able to see the terror in his face, that man would walk away stark raving mad. That's right. Now, that's not biblical, but that's a, that's, his point is this. Jesus didn't get on a cross all bloody and tortured bad enough, and that was the worst of it. That was just the easy part, folks, as far as the total thing we're talking about here. God the Father poured all of the wrath that he said must be poured on sin. He poured it on Jesus Christ, his Son. Because God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God was the only one that could pay that price and raise himself back to life to offer the redemption. That's the downside for the father. It's a hard cost. The upside, listen to what this says again. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? I want to ask you something. Why don't you stop asking for a car or even a job? Why don't you start with the big things? You know, if you think it's hard for God to get you a piece of metal, you're spelling it little g, little o, little d. I'm talking about things like, you know one of the things I'm doing right now in my life? I keep things in my journal, accountabilities, and one of them is, when was the last time my wife and I had an argument? Because I want to change. And it isn't good enough for me to just say, hey, honey, I'm sorry. So now I'm keeping it. And it's a bummer when I get to 35 days and then we have an argument. I got to go back the next day and put one again. But I'm planning to make 365. And that's when it really gets fun. Why? Because then, you, no, I don't want to go one again, so I'll pull back. And I'll get that old flesh to be quiet and not argue. Okay? Don't live in a bad marriage. What? Jesus Christ will give you all things. What? That, he, he can help you have the marriage you want. He can help you have the family you want. He can work on every character flaw that you have. And folks, that's a lot tougher than getting you a new car. Okay? Those material things are easy for God. He just doesn't always give them to us because it's not good for us. But the real difficult work of God is when he is chosen to respect the will and choice of his creation, which means I can fight him when he's trying to get me to learn something. I can resist him. I can quench him. I can grieve him. So I want you to take this home. He, will he not also with him freely give us all things? And here's what I want you to think about before you start all your party and everything. Hey, I'm all for the party. But I do agree with Insong, Pastor Insong, that we need to keep everything balanced. Okay? Is there anything you've held back from him this Christmas? Listen, human beings murdered Jesus, but it was the Father that delivered him. Nobody took Jesus against his will. That's why when he went to the garden, he said it. Father, if there be any other way to redeem Nathan Lee, please don't let me have to go to the cross. But nevertheless, your will be done. So first question I have for you as I close. I'm asking about yourself. Have you held back yourself? What do you mean? There, you know, there's nothing more important to God for his Christmas, his celebration, than for you to give your life to him. Okay? And I'm not talking about some dead religion. 
I'm not talking about a system of beliefs. I'm talking about you realizing this is what my creator did for me. He paid the cost to, to, to punish my sin that if I will trust in what his son did for me on that cross, I don't have to be punished for my sin. It's already gone. And I can enter into a relationship with my creator as his child and I will live forever with him. Now I'm gonna tell you something that's a lot more important than anything else you could give him. Keep your money. If you don't know if you belong to God, keep your money. He doesn't need it. What he wants is you. He wants you to look deep into your heart and say, do I know for a fact that I am in a relationship? Because folks, it could get real. You know, when I was searching for God, I would get up and go to mass at 6 a.m. on Sunday. And then I would go at 9.30 to a Lutheran church. And then six o'clock at night, I went to assembly of God. And I was still separated from God because religion is enough to get you to hell. That's all it's good for. But when somebody shared with me this gospel, that Nathan, you can't do anything for it. You either receive it or you say no. Is there anything you've held back from him this Christmas? If you know you're a child of God, is there areas of your life that you're refusing to let him into? Change that this year. Just allow yourself to yield to Christ in any area and you will be amazed at the joy that enters your soul. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for this time. I wanna thank you for folks giving me this time to speak to them. I want us to ponder honestly because the cost was so great for you. You did it so willingly and you're still offering it to this day. What have we held back from you, Father? I pray that no one here's got a hold of their own soul thinking that they're gonna work this thing out before they die. Because Lord, first of all, there is no working it out. It's done by grace. It's a gift that you did. But secondly, no one knows when they're gonna die. We can think it's gonna be years and it won't be. I pray right now, Father, if there be anybody here that knows for sure, or even if they're hesitant, about a relationship with you. If they know for sure they're not in a relationship with you, or if they're asking themselves, if I died right now, do I know where I'd really go? Lord, I pray that right now they'd look inside their own heart. If they can agree and admit that they're a sinner, that means they fall short of perfection. That shouldn't be too hard. If they agree that your Bible says that sin must be paid for, which it does, then if they agree that Jesus Christ is your son and he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, offered that life as a payment for sin, was crucified, went into the grave and came back to life three days. If they can agree with all that truth from your scripture, the last step they need to decide is do they want their sins forgiven and to be made a child of God? 